Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up-to-date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready, because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. I hope that you've been well over the course of this week. We're rolling right along here with our Week 3 preview. And of course, I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and I want to welcome you to our Week 3 preview show. I'm joined alongside my co-host, Nicholas Moriano, and we're set to preview everything that you need to know before this upcoming Monday night kickoff. Nick, a week ago you were telling me, you know, school is going fine, but are things starting to heat up over there? Is grad school starting to feel real? Grad school is definitely real at this point. Will, uh, I've already got my first story. It's due tomorrow, Friday deadline. Friday morning deadline, I have maybe 200 words of it right now. But, yeah, it's in full swing, and, yeah, it's definitely real. It's funny that I was saying I was really excited for it not too long ago. Now it's like, all right, when is it over? So <laughs> that's how it is right now. Doesn't take long. Doesn't take long to get back to that mode whatsoever. No, not at all. Uh, so for me, I got my flu shot today. I was telling you right before we went live, I got myself a nice Bugs Bunny bandage, uh, which is very, I guess, interesting if you're listening. That's my highlight of the day. Uh, not anything <laughs> exciting like Nick. But let's go ahead, Nick. You ready to start this week three preview? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. So today I want to begin by talking about the Bears defense uh, because, well, A, we haven't began a preview show talking about them yet. And B, why not start off with our best foot forward? So let's start with what I presume will be an easy discussion. And that's going to be the Bears' ability to stop Washington on the ground. Darius Geis, he's out. Uh, They're leaning on guys like Chris Thompson. And we're going to see Adrian Peterson. Uh, Actually, this will be the first time the Bears have seen Adrian Peterson since 2015. So I know I just said, okay, it's going to be easy, right? But then I mentioned AP, and I'm like, crap. He's coming off a 1,000-yard season. He does average 111 rushing yards per game against the Bears in his entire career. Whew. Now, Washington, they're hoping to establish a run on Monday. Uh, but again, this Bears defense, they only allow three yards per carry this year. Uh, so that's unlikely, especially since Washington, when you look at them on offense, they're only averaging 2.5 yards per carry. Uh, but yet again, Bilal Nichols is out with a broken hand, so it's time to start testing the depth here. Nick, what's going to be your expectations, and how do you believe the Bears can ensure that Washington you know, doesn't come off the bus running? So the thing is with the Bears and Washington here, what will keep Washington from really running the ball effectively in this one is if the Bears can kind of distance themselves in the scoring range. Because I think Washington in both games, 
due to the other teams, the Eagles and Cowboys, just coming back on them, they had to really abandon the run game sooner than they would have liked to. So I think if the Bears can put themselves in a situation like that, so that means, yes, they would have to score points to do it, that's going to be key for the Bears' defense just taking out Washington's rushing attack. But when I was just watching the film of this last game against the Cowboys, I thought I saw some good things from Adrian Peterson. So I was a little like, oh, wait, Adrian Peterson is coming back. We We all know what he's done to the Bears in the past. Obviously, he's not the same AP, but the best case scenario is just to eliminate the rushing attack by just getting a good enough lead. And I think this is a game where we expect the Bears offense to be better, but we're talking about the defense right now. But I think in terms like, look, Bilal Nichols most likely isn't going to play with that club or we don't know the severity of what's going to happen there. But you still have to love the Bears defense in this matchup against the the rushing attack for Washington because that Bears defense has been playing lights out through two games so far. So, yeah, I'm not really too concerned. Chris Thompson is a good switch of pace back. But, again, this Bears defense is the Bears defense for a reason. I know they'll be able to stop the run against Washington. Right. You know, AP, he's that north and south type of runner. So he's not going to do a bunch of, you know, cutting and things of that nature. So the Bears, they just need to make sure that they wrap up. Don't allow any open lanes for, you know, Adrian Peterson to plant his foot and turn on whatever jets that he has mm-hmm. left, which is, like you said, a little bit more than maybe anyone would think at his age, at his position. But when you're looking at the Bears defensive line, I still have trust in a Nick Williams and a Roy Robertson Harris to kind of, you know, hold their own here. So I don't think below. Finally. A bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic. Our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. His absence shouldn't really hurt, and who knows? Maybe they even call up an Abdullah Anderson, one of those preseason standouts from the practice squad to the active roster here, to kind of fill that spot as well. But overall, I'm pretty confident in the guys that the Bears have, not just the defensive line, but you have Roquan Smith, Danny Trevathan, uh, Ha Clinton Dix coming into the box as well. I mean, it makes life difficult for any opponent. And when you're looking at Washington, who averages, like I said, 2.5 yards per carry on the season, you don't really see a scenario in which they really, you know, bust up against the Bears. And we talked about Thompson. We talked a little bit about AP. But I also want to mention, let's not forget about Wendell Smallwood. He did have a very productive year for the Eagles last season. He hasn't done much of anything this year in Washington. Um, but I don't think he's been utilized yet. So if they do want to get him touches, he can be a threat that we should be paying attention to as well. Anything else about the Bears running defense this week, Nick, that you want to mention, or do you want to move on? I think when this one, maybe when you're going against a underwhelming opponent, it's always just important for this game. Especially, I don't think the Bears are overlooking the Wash, you know, Washington and their rushing attack, but. You just want to stay disciplined in your rushing lanes, especially when you don't have a guy like Bilal Nichols. So that next man up mentality, just making sure you're in your right lanes, filling where you need to fill and taking advantage of an offensive line for the Washington that hasn't played that well this season. So just not overlooking the opponent and the Bears being one and one. They shouldn't be overlooking anybody. But that's just another key to kind of remember going into this Monday night matchup. Yeah, that's a good point. Good observation there, Nick. 
So moving forward, if the Bears aren't able to do what we expect, and that's to win the battles in the trenches, uh, make sure Washington doesn't do the damage on the ground, then the game kind of gets into the hands of Case Keenum. Uh, and that's, you know, the 31-year-old quarterback. He's played very efficient football this year. Five touchdowns. He's yet to throw an interception. Hopefully that changes on Monday night. But I'm looking for ways that the Bears' defense can slow him down. And my mind goes instantly to pressure, right, Nick? It's like if you can ensure that the pass rush continues to apply pressure like we know it can, uh, but I thought that in preparing for this, I found out that he's been the uh, he's under the ninth most pressures of any quarterbacks. He's being pressured on 35% of his dropbacks, which is good news for the Bears. But he still has a very impressive 103 passer rating while under duress this year with two touchdowns to zero interceptions on those plays. So that kind of takes it out of the window in a way. I mean, you can still get pressure and rattle him get sacks, but it's not the end-all be-all. So Nick, do you have any other ways that the Bears can maybe limit Case Keenum and force him into mistakes? Well, the thing is, when I was just watching the film in Case Kim, it looks like for the most part that Washington Redskins offensive line, not that they've maybe, they, he's had some time to throw. He really has, even though they have been bringing pressure. I just said that Washington's line hasn't been as good, but he will hold on to the football as long as he can and find that receiver. So it's going to be really about this Bears back end, those secondary players, especially Eddie Jackson and Ha Clinton Dix, who will be playing his, you know, former team, really just staying in coverage as long as possible with these receivers who, you know, a couple of them have, you know, been impressive thus far this season. Mm-hmm. So just forcing it's for Case Keenum is maybe showing an open area that it has maybe an open receiver, but then closing at the last second to kind of bait him into throwing, you know, a possible interception. He hasn't done it yet, but I think Case Keenum's a guy that he will take that advantage, try to throw into maybe a tight window. I saw that a couple times in the game against the Cowboys. So, look, I no credit to the Cowboys defense of what they did, but I think the Bears just have more playmakers on that end. So when it comes to closing that window, I'm going to give it to maybe an Eddie Jackson that comes up with an interception as opposed to some of the guys in the secondary for the Cowboys and stuff like that. So I think, again, just let – I'm okay with letting Case Keenum trying to – to beat the the Bears defense because I'm not too confident in what Keenum can do, even though he's been pretty impressive thus far in two games. Again, we'll see what happens when he goes up against the Bears defense on Monday night. Yeah, at this stage of his career with Keenum, it's going to be hard for Pagano to disguise coverages and things like that because Keenum's seen it all. I mean, he's going to understand what's going on there and really what the Bears need to do. And it may just be as simple as playing a little bit more tight coverage. What we saw against Denver was a lot of bend, don't break. Uh, then they kind of tightened things up once the Broncos kind of reached the other side of the 50-yard line. But they did allow you know Flacco to get into a rhythm with some of these underneath passes. Is that something that you envision Keenum doing as well, following suit with the dink and dunks and then the Bears tightening up once their backs are pinned up against the wall a little bit? Or do you envision them maybe playing up a little bit? There's some other receivers that I do envision the Bears not wanting to press, and we'll talk about them in just a moment. But in terms of Case Keenum, do you envision him following a Joe Flacco-ish type of game plan? You know, I think that's what um, – well, again, that's going to play into the Bears' favor. If they want to just dink and dunk and try to get small chunk yardage to get down the field on the Bears, that plays into the Bears' favor on defense. But for Case Keenum, I think he wants to take some deep shots on this Bears' defense. He's done it thus far in two games for, for Washington. So I, I think that, yes, that's what the Bears want him to do. But I don't know if Keenum's going to – like I said, he'll hang on to the football and find that next guy, go through his progressions and see if there is anything – open deeper down the field so that's why I think when it comes to Keenum it's going to be where 
he's might he's not maybe looking for the check down automatically like Joe Flacco did. He's looking to go a little bit deeper. And you just alluded you were talking about some guys they could possibly throw to. That's why I think he will go maybe a little on the deeper balls if he has the opportunity to. All right, well, up next, we are going to discuss uh, the key battles in the trenches for the Bears defense. But before we do, a quick timeout. We do need to keep telling you about this brand-new sponsor that we got for this season, a sponsor I'm very excited to have, and that's Wrigleyville Sports. Uh, They are one of the premier sports merchandise stores in the entire city of Chicago. Uh, So if you're looking for any of the latest Bears gear, they have it. Uh, You have hats, you have sunglasses, you have T-shirts, jerseys, you know, men, women, kids, anything you want. And if you're listening to the show, you do get a pretty sweet deal. And if you're hearing my voice, that means that's you. Uh, just use our promo code AUDIBLE for 15% off and free shipping on any order of $25 or more. Uh, this deal runs all season. Uh, technically, again, it expires January 15th. Um, but I'm hoping that there's a deep playoff run and we can kind of extend this deal for you. But definitely uh, check out this deal as soon as you can. And using our promo code AUDIBLE, A-U-D. I-B-L-E at WrigleyVilleSports.com for 15% off and free shipping on any order of $25 or more. All right, you're listening to Chicago Audible. I'm Eros DeWitt. I'm joined by my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. We're breaking down or previewing the Bears' Week 3 game against Washington. And like I mentioned a bit ago, Keenum, uh, he's been under pressure on roughly one-third of his dropbacks, actually just a little bit more than that this season. Uh, That's top 10 in the league in terms of being pressured the most. So you better believe that the Bears' defensive line, the outside linebackers, they are licking their chops. Nick, I want to go over to you first. What are going to be some of those battles up front that you have kind of circled and why? Yeah, so when I'm thinking of the battles up front, and surprisingly, Washington's offensive line, the right side, has struggled thus far in you know two games. And Brandon Sheriff, a guy from Iowa, former first-round pick, he's been a pretty steady guy, but this season he's had a couple of holding penalties. Well, we just saw what happened last week and people that can cause holding <laughs> penalties. Uh, Garrett Bowles is, you, you know, I think that's a name I'm going to forever remember this season, just how many holding penalties. But if people like Brandon Sheriff and Morgan Moses, their right tackle, are struggling with penalties, look, you have Leonard Floyd, you have Khalil Mack, you have Akeem Hicks, guys that are, you know, can definitely cause these holding penalties. So when I'm looking at matchups, it's going to be that right side of the offensive line right now against whoever is a pass rusher on that side, whether it is Mack or Floyd, because Chuck Pagano will rotate both of those guys. They'll play on both sides of the ball there. So those are the matchups I'm going to be watching for because usually uh, over the years, that that right side has been one of the stronger points for the Washington Reds, Redskins so far, and right now it's not. So I think until they get it, until they get things right, which probably isn't going to happen against the Bears, you attack that, attack their weakness, and just exploit it. Yeah, I mean, you talked about Sheriff. It definitely is not his best year. You talked about the penalties. He also, he's given up uh, five pressures. This, well, he's given up, I think, the team second or third of most. Uh, Moses, their right tackle, has given up the most pressures on the team. But when you're looking at Akeem Hicks, through two games, he's only generated five pressures. And there's been some times this year where he's had a hard time shedding blocks, making tackles at the line of scrimmage to the same degree that I've been used to out of Akeem Hicks. So I'm hoping that this would be a great game for Hicks to win his battle uh, and really make the right side of the offensive line, like you said, Nick, the Achilles heel 
all game long for Washington. And when you're looking at Moses, team high pressure is given up at nine. Uh, so like you said, either outside linebacker, heck, I'd even throw Aaron Lynch into the equation here. If they can just make Moses's life hell, get pressure in the face of Keenum early, I think that's a really good sign for this Bears defense. Because like I said, I envision Washington, they will take the deep shots like you said, Nick. But for the most part, they're going to try to do a lot of dink and dunk because they know they can't run on this defense. So they're going to want to you know, compensate with some of those shorter, quick passes. Uh, so for me, getting pressure with any of those outside guys against uh, you know the right tackle Moses is definitely a good battle. And don't forget about Donald Penn as well over the left tackle. He's been you know serviceable, but not overly great. And still, you have a Leonard Floyd who's been lining up over there a lot. He had a really good game against the Pack. It's not easy being the one everyone counts on to keep the facility running, no matter the weather or supply chain hiccup. But we get you, Raymond in Buffalo and Maria in Miami. Jules in Minneapolis and Stan in Central Indiana, taking control of everything that's under your control. At Granger, we're here for you with experienced branch staff at over 250 locations so you get the product you're looking for. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Curtis, he had some flash moments against Denver. This could be a game where he can make it, you know, life difficult well for the left tackle. So it's both tackles to me, and then Sheriff as well at right guard is really the you know the three areas of attack uh, that I would kind of look for. And if they want to add extra blitzes, like corner blitzes, uh, linebacker blitzes up the A gap, we've seen those be very effective for the Bears in some key situations, and I envision that uh, coming their way here on Monday night. All right, from the matchups in the trenches, let's go ahead and move on to the battles in the passing game. Uh, Washington, they've been spreading that ball around. Uh, There are two, maybe three uh, major takeaways to keep in mind, at least from my perspective. One, uh, running back Chris Thompson, he's the most targeted player on their offense. Second, you're looking at rookie wide receiver Terry McLaren. He's averaging 18 yards per catch so far this season. Uh, And third, they don't have tight end Jordan Reed yet this season. He did return to practice so far this week. He may play. We don't know yet. Um, but he's been working his way out of concussion protocol. So, Nick, out of all the targets that Washington has, are any specific matchups that you're paying attention to? I have one that I have underlined, circled, highlighted, and that's Terry McLaren versus a guy known as Prince Mugamara. Yeah, that's the one that kind of scares me because McLaren has that speed. It can take the top over a defense. And if you're just going to isolate Prince of Mukamara one-on-one with him, that's not a matchup that I like. You saw um, just the things that he could do against the Cowboys and even the Eagles in week one. He caught deep touchdowns in both those games. So this is a guy that can really, you know, again, use his speed to his advantage and that's not Prince of Mukamara's game to play a guy with speed. So if he doesn't get that jam at the line of scrimmage, like he likes to play up close and personal with the wide receiver, that can lead for an opportunity for Washington to get a big play down the field. And the Bears don't typically give up a lot of those big plays. There was only one against the Packers. But that's something that can really just change field position, change the mm-hmm. momentum of a game. So you don't want that to happen at any point. You would expect the Bears to have some kind of safety help, especially with him over there. But that, like you, is the guy that I'm really focusing in on. Yeah, yes, they have like a Vernon Davis, even like a veteran wide receiver in Paul Richardson because he's one of the older guys on the group. But really, it's speed kills in this league, and McLaurin has that. So that's the one you have to watch for because at any moment that can be a big play and change momentum of a game easily. 
Yeah, uh, McLaurin, uh, 4.3540 for those forgetting when he came out here out of Ohio State. So very fast indeed. And obviously we're talking about Prince, and obviously he can line up anywhere in the field. He could draw up Kyle Fuller. But when I'm looking at uh, his splits throughout the first couple of games, he's only had two targets on the right side of the field. So it's going to be primarily Prince Mukamara uh, on the left. And then also they've used uh, McLaurin a lot over the center. So I'm looking at both Mukamara and Eddie Jackson. You talked about safety help. I think that is a must. That's a necessity here uh, this week for the Bears defense. Because like you said, uh, you can't really allow those big plays because those can change the dynamic of entire game, a drive, a series, a quarter, a half. Uh, it could be all that's needed to, you know, put some extra points on the board that can put the Bears on the wrong side of this thing. So, uh, yeah, this is the big one to pay attention to. Uh, another one that I'm looking at, though, Trey Quinn, uh, their slot receiver versus mm-hmm. a buster screen. Uh, obviously, uh, Quinn, he's been okay. Uh, I think he's only, uh, I'm trying to think, the ex- he's third in targets. I know that. Uh, fourth on a team in receiving yards as well. So he's like, you know, that third guy roughly. Um, but still, Buster Screen, he's played very well, but he is the third most targeted bear in the secondary. Uh, he's only allowing seven yards per catch. The longest catch he's allowed all fo- so far this season is 16 yards. So, yeah, he's been playing very well, but I do envision Quinn still getting his you know fair share of targets this week. So this would definitely be another matchup to kind of keep in mind. Do you have any others, Nick? Obviously, Chris Thompson, the running back, does lead the team in targets. So are you looking at him versus like a Roquan? Yeah, that's a, that's going to be a key matchup, especially if we're envisioning, um, you know, Case Keenum just dinking and dunking. That's a guy that you're going to throw it to is Chris Thompson. He he hasn't been healthy throughout his career, but I think he's looking like he's going to play on Monday night. But that's just a safety a safety blanket to where Keenum could just dump it off, see if he can make a man miss in the open field. Again, you don't play a Roquan Smith or a Danny Trevathan uh, each week, which guys that can cover can. You know, cover a lot of ground quickly. So, yeah, it's definitely a guy to watch out for the passing game. But like you said, that Trey Quinn, he's a very savvy route runner, can get open on those nickelbacks. That's going to be a good matchup for Buster Screen on Monday night. And one last thing uh, for this to leave for our listeners. I'm looking at any tight end, Jordan Reed, and don't even sleep on a Vernon Davis as well versus guys like a Danny Trevathan or a HaHa Clinton Dix here. Uh, obviously, Reed years ago was one of the best tight ends in this league, but health has kind of taken a factor there for him. Uh, Vernon Davis in his place so far this season is doing pretty well. Uh, 88 yards on seven catches. Uh, these guys like to eat and live in the middle of the field and up that seam. That must be protected. I don't really envision the Bears allowing the middle of the field to be wide open by any means. But still, these tight ends are tight ends that can be difference makers in this offense and a security blanket for a guy like Hayes Keenum. So for me, uh, don't sleep on either of the tight ends, uh, whoever's out there for Washington. All right, Nick, last thing on the defense. I want to take a moment, and this is a little unorthodox in a preview show, but we're two games in. So I don't know. What's been a surprise to you for both good and maybe let's call it the not so good for the Bears defense? So I'm actually going to start with the not so good. And I guess what? So through two games, the Bears only have one turnover, right? Mm -hmm. This Bears defense and everyone's talking about regression. I don't think we really see that. But in the turnover department, it has come, you know, slowed down a little bit because I think through two games, I'm trying to remember there was what, two Two against the Packers in 2018. Their next matchup was the Seahawks on Monday night. I think there was another two or three there. It's somewhere around that number, but they have won thus far. So I guess that's the not so good. The good is that they could still win despite getting turnovers, and the offense has played horrendously thus far in two games. So that's where you see just playmakers, the like a guy like Roquan Smith, who I think is playing out of his mind 
so far mm-hmm. through two games and a buster screen coming in being the new addition coming off those nickel blitzes so that's the good the bears they could still win without the turnovers the bad is you would like to see more turnovers so give and take I'll start with my bad or not so good is how we're framing it here. Uh, the lack of the pass rush. I mean, yeah, we're averaging three and a half sacks per game. Uh, Khalil Mack does lead the NFL with 15 pressures, but it just doesn't feel like the pass rush is there to the same degree where it was a year ago. Maybe not as consistent. And that could be, we talked about offenses adapting the quicker passing game against us. Uh, there have been plenty of plays, though, that I can recall, either against Green Bay or Denver, where each quarterback had plenty of time to sit in the pocket and the you know allow a receiver to beat us in coverage. So for me, I don't know, I'm just surprised that it's not as consistent as I thought it would be. Maybe I'm alone. Maybe I'm just getting greedy. Um, I don't know. But that's, to me, I thought maybe we'd see a little bit more pass rush uh, from the entire unit so far. And the good, uh, you hinted at it. Uh, for me, it's actually going to be Buster Screen in general. You talked about him. Very effective off the blitzes, which you and I did talk about in the offseason. He's good at. He's good at New York. Um, but he's been very good in coverage as well. And I think he's been a pleasant surprise because he was a guy that you and I were very skeptical of uh, all offseason in training camp. We were kind of calling out the Bears not starting him or playing him in the preseason too much because we were a little confused by that. But, I mean, he's proven to be a baller. So, for me, Buster Screen's been a very good surprise, at least to me, for this Bears defense. But getting back to the game, do you have anything else either around Washington's uh, you know, offense or the Bears defense? You know, I think, again, it's going to be whether or not the Bears are, like you alluded to the pass rush, maybe it could be a little bit better. But like I've seen in the first two games for Washington, Case Keenum will take advantage and take that deep shot if he has time. Let's see if the Bears just don't even allow him to have that. Just have him unsteady, uncomfortable to where those deep shots are not they're not doable because they're, he can't just plant his back foot and just deliver a long ball. That's going to be, I think, the key in this one. If the if Washington can take the top over the Bears defense, that changes the whole dynamic of this game. Even if the if even if Washington doesn't score, we haven't seen anything from the Bears offense that proves that they can yet. Mm-hmm. So it could be a huge uh, just one field position battle for maybe a little bit of the game, but it's all going to depend on whether the Bears can get that pass rush and get Keenum uncomfortable. Absolutely. Uh, For me, before I get into my typical red zone third down, I do want to reiterate the fact that Washington does tend to play worse in the second half of games. Uh, they're only being they're uh, on offense. Only 21 of their 48 points this season have came in the second half. So I'm looking forward to Chuck Pagano making adjustments to kind of keep that trend going. And then also time of possession. Uh, the defense for the Bears they've been on the field for 59 percent of second half snaps this season. Uh, that's the fifth most in the NFL. And obviously that could be more on the Bears offense in general, not being able to sustain drives. But I did want to just show how much the Bears' defense has been on the field in the second half of games. And obviously, fatigue then becomes a factor. So if the Bears can find a way to limit that, that would be great. Uh, But for me, getting into red zone third down real quick, uh, Washington, they're scoring touchdowns on 80% of their trips. That's sixth best in the NFL. But they're only averaging 2.5 red zone trips per game, where the Bears' defense are allowing touchdowns on 40% of those trips, which is ninth in the NFL. And oddly enough, they're allowing 2.5 trips per game. So Washington should find the red zone exactly two and a half times. That's right, a half a time. I went there. Mm. Uh, Third down, Washington, only 32% on third down. Uh, But the Bears' defense, third best, 19% allowed, which is incredible. 
their teams aren't even converting on one fifth of their third downs against this Bears defense, which I don't even have to put into words how huge that is. If only we had an offense to take advantage, but we'll get there in just a moment. But first we need to find out who has the edge and Nick, I'll go to you first, uh, Washington offensive line versus that Bears pass rush. That's, I think that's an easy one. I got to go with the Bears pass rush, especially that right side of the line. Bears are going to take advantage again like they did last week against the Broncos. All right. For me, I got the Washington pass game versus the Bears secondary. Simple. Bears. We talked about McLaurin. He's definitely an X factor, someone to pay attention to. But the Bears have proven that they can limit guys. Look at Devontae Adams week one. Uh, you look at Cortland Sutton last week as well. Impact to a minimum. Even like an Emmanuel Sanders had a really big day in terms of numbers, but his impact was still, you know, mill when it was all said and done. So for me, uh, I you have to give it to the secondary. Uh, lastly, Washington's ground game versus the Bears run defense. Uh, obviously, this is both. But Nick, do we just both want to just jump on the Bears bandwagon here? Uh, I don't think this one's all too difficult. Yeah, it's not too difficult. And when it's going against the Bears defense, it should be easy that the Bears just have the advantage in these three areas. They did a really good job against Denver's running backs a week ago. These running backs for Washington are not better. You have AP, but he's not the same Adrian Pearson as before. They obviously don't have Darius Geis. Chris Thompson's a, you know, a guy, a shifty back. But yeah, these are not the same backs that they even played a week ago or even in week one. So you have to give it to the Bears uh, rushing defense there. As long as Adrian Peterson doesn't want to go full 2007 on us, I think we're in good shape. I think so. But I get nervous at any time. It's been four years since we've seen him, and it's been a nice four years. Uh, But let's see how it kind of comes together here on Monday night. Uh, Who's going to be your X Factor for the Bears defense? Yeah, X-Factor, I think, again, I, Chris Thompson's going to be a guy that they want to utilize a lot in this game. And the one guy that I'm really looking forward to having a good game and he's going to play a factor in more facets than that is going to be Roquan Smith. I think he was my X-Factor last week, but he's just becoming one of those players that you can count on each and every week to impact the game in whatever way it is. He just has that speed that is not... I guess, common in inside linebackers because it, it really can change his game and change this Bears defense. But if he can cover Chris Thompson out of the backfield, take away that easy, easy completion air quotes there to Chris Thompson, able to blitz in those a gaps that Chuck Pagano will send him on. That's going to change, you know, really how this game is played for the Redskins on offense. So Roquan Smith is my X factor. Interesting. You had Roquan two weeks in a row. I'm going Prince of Mukamara two weeks in a row. Uh, Obviously, we talked about it. I don't need to reiterate it too much, but it's all about McLaurin, his speed uh, on the outside with Princeton coverage. Uh, Again, don't need to re-explain, but like you said, Nick, and I mentioned as well, one or two blown coverages can change the dynamic of the entire game. So for me, that's a big battle, and if Prince decides to have a bad game and he hasn't put together his best couple of games to start the year, that could be trouble for the Bears. All right, we're halfway through the show, and it's time to turn the table and take a look at the Bears' offense, a unit that was better than they were in Week 1, but still plenty of progress to be made in order to kind of live up to expectations. And I guess we need to start off with Mitch, because I know that's what everybody wants to hear us talk about, Nick. 
Last week in Denver, uh, Mitch and the offense took some steps forward, but they were just, I'm going to call baby steps. Uh, no matter what side of the spectrum you are on right now currently as a Bears fan, uh, whether you think Mitch is proving that he can't put it all together, or maybe you believe that he just needs more time and that he can still find a way to have a decent season, I think that we can all agree, no matter which side you're on, that his lack of production is just very disappointing so so far I mean we all expected more and to me I mean it just hurts watching the offense struggle like it has and it really does begin with Mitch now looking at Washington their defense they haven't been great at stopping the pass they're allowing about 285 yards per game through the air and now they have some woes in their secondary as well and obviously I think Mitch should be able to exploit and it's sad that I have to say should but I believe he can But Nick, do you believe that this could be the breakout game for Mitch? People are looking at last year's Arizona game and then the jump from that team or that game going over to Tampa, who at the time had a very similar porous defense. And we all saw what the Bears were able to do then in the first half of that game. Or are you not going to hold your breath? And why or why not? No, I think I've been talking to some coworkers and just friends of mine. I think this is the game where we do see Mitch kind of, in a sense, break out of this this um you know funk. slump that he's really yeah funk slump you know poor passing you know performances anything whatever you want to call it i think this would be a great opportunity look the redskins have allowed six passing touchdowns 336 rushing yards and 910 total yards in two games they have not been playing good as a defense through two games so far and i think that if it's going to happen at some point it has to happen i think now because then you have the Vikings after this, you have the Raiders. Oh, the Raiders probably present a pretty good opportunity to get some yards. But I think this is a great opportunity for Mitch to just get it together. But he does need some help from Matt Nagy. I don't think he's done the best of jobs to put Mitch in a position to succeed. Yes, Mitch has missed throws. I'm not putting this all on Nagy. I'm not putting this all on Mitch. They have to come together and just have a good game plan this week. And I think... Nagy's got to let Mitch throw it a little bit, not throw it third and down to a bubble screen to an Allen Robinson on third and five. Let him survey the field. I know he hasn't proven that he maybe can do that, but we've seen him do that in 2018. It's not like I don't see how Mitch could have gotten that much worse. Like it just doesn't it doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense, right? It it doesn't make sense. So I think this is the game plan where Nagy's going to just put everything that he needs to to allow Mitch to have his most successful game this season. Again, Washington's uh, secondary is not very good. Josh Norman, their best corner, is giving up big plays here and there. So when that's happening, I think as a defensive unit, you're wondering what's going on here. But I think this is where it comes together for Mitch Trubisky. And again, I think in order for him to even be set up for success, the offensive line needs to pick up their play. But there are a few segments down here in the show. But they haven't been living up to their standard as well and. We'll talk about that here in a minute, but when I'm looking at Mitch, I think there's a good chance uh, that I say that, especially if the Bears can establish a run that would improve his odds of having a really good game. Uh, I'm not going to really set my expectations sky high. Regardless, I'd be okay with like 200, 225 passing yards. Just give me one touchdown to something to build off of. More would be great. I'm not going to complain, but that would be a bonus. I'm going to set my bar at a modest rate and we'll see if you can exceed those expectations because when I'm looking at Washington... Uh, they've given up three touchdowns to quarterbacks over the first two weeks, uh, both Wentz and Prescott. Uh, wouldn't that be nice to kind of keep that streak going, Nick? Yeah, that would that would be very nice. Well, <laughs> but 
but we need to get one there before we can even get excited about talking about three in a single game. But yeah, for me and Mitch, it's it's confusing. It's perplexing. Like you said, it doesn't make a lot of sense, the regression. I do believe it's a mixture of rust early, good defenses, the offensive line not being much help. And of course, we're always going to focus on a quarterback. This is what everyone does. But it's a team sport. There are 10 other guys out there. They all need to be on the same page of clicking. But he's supposed to be the leader, the guy to elevate the play of everybody else. And we do need to see that here uh, this Sunday because he definitely has some favorable matchups. And let's look at some of those matchups because Denver last week, they did a good job taking away Allen Robinson uh, until it mattered. Uh, we, <laughs> we saw Adam Shaheen having a surprisingly productive game as well. Um, but there are still some guys that we're hoping to see just a little bit more out of. But looking at this game specifically, Nick, uh, which playmakers do you envision being primed for? Let's just call them good games and why. Yeah, so I think maybe this is just me wanting to see it, but I want to see what Matt Nagy's going to do with Anthony Miller this game. He's a guy that hasn't produced much of anything through two games, but just having him in that slot, and I guess I, I think last game for Washington was Jimmy Moreland, who was that nickel corner. I think that's a matchup that Anthony Miller should win more you know, more times than not. So I want to, th- I want to say that that's a matchup that the Bears can you know, take advantage of, but it's whether or not Matt Nagy kind of calls a play that's actually targeting Anthony Miller. It's if Mitch Trubisky's seeing Anthony Miller and, you know, this season he hasn't seen the field, I would say the best definitely hasn't. And that's reflected in his numbers. But I think that's a matchup that I like going to this one, Jimmy Moreland, if he is going to be that nickel guy against an Anthony Miller. But uh, another one, I mean, Look, until – well, so I wouldn't test really Josh Norman too much. You're just kind of asking for an interception. Mm-hmm. Of, you know, I know he hasn't played that great. He's given up two long touchdown passes in back-to-back games. But, you know, Allen Robinson is probably going to be the guy that's matched up on him. It's not a guy that I want to test too much, though. Josh Norman is a good corner for a reason. Got paid what he did. But you, you have to think that Mitch, being that Allen Robinson is his guy, is going to throw that way – maybe a little bit too many times this game. So hopefully that doesn't bite him. He has to survey the field and find that next guy. Yeah, I agree with you. I actually have that in my notes as well. It's like, you know, take your take strategic shots at Josh Norman. Uh, he has allowed, like you said, those two deep touchdowns. And on top of that, 170 yards through two games. So, I mean, on paper it looks good, but you still have to know that the talent's there and be wary. But take strategic shots. Uh, the ones that I'm looking at, I'm actually looking at two. And her names that we don't talk about too much yet this season, and I'm hoping that changes. Uh, A, Taylor Gabriel, and B, Cordero Patterson. Why? Because speed has killed Washington's defense, and these two have that in bunches. It uh, doesn't matter who's on them. Uh, I think this could even be the safeties, Landon Collins and uh, Monte Nicholson. But Nagy needs to dial up some of those deep shots to either of these speedsters. Hell, you can throw in Tariq Cohen here too, uh, but just test that defense until it's proven that it can stop a big play because it's continued game in game. That's all we have is two games. I can't say game, game, and game, uh, but game <laughs> in and game out that they can get beat over the top and they get burned by speed. So I'm looking at Cordero Patterson, Taylor Gabriel to take the top off this defense. Uh, you're looking at a cornerback. You talked about the nickel guy, right? Uh, rookie Jimmy Moreland. Uh, he's been targeted the most in the team, and he also allows the most uh, yards after the catch. So he's a good guy to test. Uh, then when you're looking at Washington as a whole, they've given up five touchdowns to wideout so far this year. 
And if you're looking for a good example of why speed may be a difference maker, just look at what Deshaun Jackson did for them. Week one for Philadelphia, just burned them, torched them, 150 yards and two touchdowns for him. So if we can get that going, and we have to talk about, you know, Mitch needs to be able to hit some of these shots. That's a whole different discussion. But I do want to see a few of these, you know, touchdown to check down mentality plays because the speed has been proven to give Washington fits. So I want to make sure that the Bears kind of follow that recipe to success. Any other matchups you're paying attention to, Nick? You know, when I was watching this film, it seemed like this Washington secondary at times got confused on what their assignments really were on some of those deep balls that or the deep ball that happened last week against Dallas. Uh, the wide receiver on the left side of the line of scrimmage just runs a deep post. And how the Washington secondary played it was just it was strange because Landon Collins comes down, cuts off one of the receivers on the right side who's just running a deep over route. Then you have another guy doing the same. It's like a levels concept. But Dominic Rogers Cromartie, the backside corner, doesn't play deep and just kind of leaves Josh Norman on an island by himself. And that's kind of I would say that's why that deep touchdown happened. So. Again, we've seen year in years past, or years past, last year, that Nagy was able to get guys open by putting complex routes at these, you know, weak secondaries, and it opened up for them against Tampa Bay in week four. Let's just have that happen a week earlier in 2019 against Washington, who has shown that when you throw these routes at them, they get a little bit confused. I think this is a perfect opportunity for Nagy to call some deeper shots, get Mitch Trubisky out of the pocket, have him roll out on a play-action pass, and hit someone deep. He almost had that one to Tariq Cohen on Mm -hmm. that first drive. It was just off because, again, the DB made a nice play on the ball, but I think this is the opportunity, Will, for Mitch to really get going, to kind of silence a little bit. For at least a week, all the the Mitch, I want to say Mitch hate because it's justified. He hasn't played well, but it would be nice if he just had a really good game this week. I agree. And I definitely would second uh, your notion that the Bears should run more complex route schemes. Again, that kind of comes back to the offensive line, giving time for those, you know, schemes to develop and those routes to open up and, you know, exactly how the Bears would like them too. But yeah, I agree. Uh, our guest earlier, Mitch, this week uh, for you know Meet Washington, talked about the Redskins and their inability to communicate in the secondary. That's exactly what we need to do. Find ways to challenge that. Find ways to make sure they're communicating. If that's the pre-snap motion that somehow seems like has gone away from this offense, you know, something to make it more complicated, make them adjust on the fly pre-snap, because if they, you do that, then more than likely with Washington secondary – miscommunications happen and when that happens it's up to mitch to find out where you know the miscue was to exploit it i was transition nick let's talk about the ground game david montgomery he's fresh off his first career touchdown uh the bears did find a way to stick to the rushing tack last week in denver uh we are the bears averaging 4.5 yards per carry in the season and they're gonna be going up against a washington team that allows a whopping 168 yards per game on the ground second most in the nfl and 5.2 yards per carry it feels like a week where run dmc can eat but nick will they all feast or will only some i hope hopefully only some i just want to see david Mon- well no <laughs> Tariq Cohen and david montgomery like mike davis i you know just hearing from uh matt Nagy and ryan pace talking them up it sounded like he was gonna be a good player but it just seems like through two games whenever mike davis is on the field you're you're kind of thinking to yourself well we're not gonna get anything on this offensive play because it's going to maybe Mike Davis, which is unfortunate. But 
David Montgomery's just a better player. He just gives even when there's nothing there for when the offensive line's not creating a hole, he's still able to get, you know, positive yards. Uh if you go back and like watch the play where he picks up nine uh against Denver, the there's no hole whatsoever, but it's the patience, the vision mm-hmm. to get through the hole and just get some yards somehow. So this is a good game for them. I mean, you have former Bears linebacker John Bostic playing inside linebacker for them. Nope, he's been bouncing around teams for a reason. So I think, again, he, he showed to be a little bit – he wasn't patient enough – uh, for John Bosick, he was kind of hitting a hole without anybody being there. And Dak Prescott kept it on a quarterback keeper, was able to get a bunch of yards. So maybe even Mitch can be a factor in the run game. He hasn't done much this season with his legs. So I think this is a great opportunity for this Bears offense, this Bears rushing attack, to do some damage against the Washington you know, rushing defense. Sorry, I just got lost hearing about boom, boom, Bostic. It took me back to a time <laughs> that wasn't so good. So I'm glad that I'm back here in the present. But yeah, when you talk about who you want to see get the carries, I really do envision David Montgomery getting the lion's share this week. I mean, if you're already looking at how this is going, uh, Montgomery already has more than three times the carries of both Cohen and Davis combined. Uh, So I'm expecting a big day from Montgomery. I think he can be in line for his first 100-yard rushing day in the NFL because Washington, they've just been beaten up front consistently. Uh, Teams know they can beat them on the ground, especially with a lead in second halves of games. Uh, Washington, they're getting ran on about 33 times per game, which is crazy until I found out that teams were passing on them uh, just even more, which shows how often that defense has been on the field for Washington. Um, But still, uh, teams have found ways to, especially like Philly and Dallas, great ways to uh, exploit Washington on the ground, establish that run. And like you said, David Montgomery, when he has the ball in his hands, we saw that in Denver, uh, the offense tends to move forward. And that's what we kind of want to see out of a running back, unlike a Mike Davis. Well, heck, we can throw in Tariq Cohen real quick if you want with that big blunder last week when he's running backwards for like eight yards. But <laughs> that's besides the point here. But for me, I do believe the Bears should have a pretty decent day on the ground as long as they can stick to it. And I do envision them doing so. All right, and we've hinted at this majority as we're talking through the Bears' offense, but we're going to live or buy, die by our offensive line. And it's both A, in terms of protecting Mitch, uh, and I don't really see them having too much of a battle ahead. Uh, Washington, they're only getting pressure on quarterbacks on 23% of dropbacks. Uh, we've seen the entire Bears' offensive line, like I've already mentioned, struggle in the first two games of the season, which to me is a shock considering that you know, this is the same starting five we've had now for, you know, at least well, two years now. I mean, you just flip-flop James Daniels and Cody Whitehair, but uh, still, we had higher aspirations for this unit too. Washington, they fail to get after quarterbacks. Obviously, they have a hard time stopping the run. Nick, which one-on-one battles up front should we have on our radar? Yeah, so I'm looking at the Washington Redskins depth chart. It's weird. I, I know Ryan Kerrigan's on the team, and he's a guy that can make an impact. I don't see him on the roster, though, which is weird. Uh, but yeah, that's there. a guy that, yeah, he's there, which is weird why it's not showed up on here. I had to double check. I'm like, I saw him play last week against the Cowboys. But to get back to the point, he's a guy that can, you know, beat his man consistently one-on-one. He's been one of the better pass rushers. I remember some guy, Washington beat reporter, was saying he has more pressures than Khalil Mack at some point, and people were like, are you are you really going to go here and make this comparison right now? There's no comparison there, but he's a guy you're definitely going to watch out for. And both the guys that they drafted over the years from Alabama, Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen. Jonathan Allen didn't play last week. He was dealing with an injury, but Deron Payne is a, still a guy that 
he can he can get to the backfield as well win those one-on-one matchups so you got to watch the Alabama boys if they are able to play uh, on Monday night but yeah so they have some capable guys finally a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic our first system that detects snoring then automatically adjusts by raising the bed get your best sleep all night every night for a limited time save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic get full offer details at tempurpedic.com guys i don't think they've played to the best of their abilities because there are some names on there that you definitely have to watch out for yeah, I, I have a couple, and you mentioned two of them. And uh, one, Darren Payne, you said it. He's a really good player. He's one of the best run defenders for Washington's line. Uh, and I have him, the matchup I'm watching is him versus James Daniels and a Kyle Long because uh, both Daniels and Long, they need to win this battle to ensure that the Bears can be effective up front, uh, especially in terms of establishing the run. But also, when you look at Payne, he's that two-way player that I like to talk about because he's really good against a run, but he can also get pressures on quarterbacks. So Long and Daniels, watching them so far this year, they've struggled in pass pro, especially Kyle Long. He does lead the team in pressures allowed with seven. Not the same Kyle Long that I'm used to watching, so we need to kind of pay attention to good old number 75. You mentioned Ryan Kerrigan. I'll be watching him against Bobby Massey. Uh, Massey, he's actually been a pretty decent right tackle so far this season. Uh, he's done well, and I think he's playing better than left tackle Charles Leno Jr., which comes to my last matchup, which is Leno Jr. versus himself. Uh, you're looking at Leno Jr. He's allowed, just like Kyle Long, a team-high seven pressures. He's had a team-high four penalties called against. He's missing blocks. He's whiffing. He's on his back a little bit more than I thought. And for a guy who got paid last year, played very well after the fact, he got married. Hopefully he's not getting too comfortable here with life, but he needs to get back on track to be that left tackle that earned that contract last year because he was always exceeding our expectations and this year, he's not. And we didn't even put that high of a bar. We said he's serviceable. And he's not really even proven to be that right now. So Charles Leno Jr. needs to take a hard look in the mirror and become the player that we know he can be because we know he can be a really good left tackle. He just hasn't played like it so far. And this could be a good game for him to kind of get some of his confidence back as well. Anything else about the Bears' offensive line that you want to mention? Uh, no, I did find Ryan Kerrigan, though, on the depth chart. Did you do Command got- F? or no, no, I didn't. It's just weak linebacker like i thought didn't even look to look there he's a defensive end come on (laughs) come on (laughs) all right well nick here's a fun question for you what's going to be maybe one thing that the bears offense can't afford to do in this game and still expect to win the game so what can they can you can you restate that question well sure what's something that they can't afford to do and if they do this thing then they're not going to win so I think the one they can't do what they did against Green Bay and just fail to miss assignments on the offensive line. And when James, you everyone remembers the play with James Daniels and Kyle Long just let uh, who was it um, Blake Martinez run right through the middle because they just forgot who they were supposed to block. They need to be sound on those assignments. Look, James Daniels is transitioning to that center position now and. If you want to credit, that's why he gave it up. I don't know. But they need – everyone on that offensive line needs to be on the same page because if you're not going to give Mitch time, who can't even throw a pass but he does have time, how are you expecting to win a game? So the offensive line – look, they got better. They didn't allow a sack from Von Miller, Bradley Chubb last week. So they've gotten better from that week one performance that they had against Green Bay. But if the Bears 
kind of move backwards in that sense where they're not having, you know, blocking the man in front of them, allowing Mitch to have time, then I don't know if the Bears are going to be able to move the ball. And if Washington does get those deep shots, it could be, you know, a long game for the Bears. But they can't do that. They can't go backwards, especially when it comes to their offensive line play. I do want to be slightly objective here. Uh, You talked about it's a good thing that Bradley Chubb and Von Miller didn't get a sack. And I agree. Two good pass rushers. But Oakland did that, too. That's true. They've just been struggling. Yeah, Big exactly. Fans. That's the thing. Yeah. It's You don't know if it's the Bears off into line or if it's just been those two struggling. So for me, it's, I mean, I'll pat them on the back for like a second, but at the same time, you have to try to put it into some perspective because if it was like Von Miller had three sacks against the Raiders and then he had none last week, great, yeah, we did a really good job. But the, they were hold, you know, without a sack the first two weeks, that starts to look like a them problem and not us doing it right. But we didn't do it wrong, so it's okay. True. Maybe it's True. not as big of a deal as we have clamored it up to be, but that's getting a little off topic. For me, uh, the things that the Bears' offense can't do and expect to still win this game, uh, I have two. Uh, lose on third down like they have been this year. They've been atrocious. 28th in the NFL on third down, only 23%. Unacceptable. And secondly, fail to establish a run like they did week one. If they do any of those things, this Bears team is not going to win because if they struggle to run the ball and convert on third down, they're going to rack up, well, not rack up, time of possession. And then a defense is going to be on the field again, like I mentioned earlier. And they're going to get gassed yet again. So for me, if the defense is gassed, the game's going to be closer than we need. And then like, that's probably within striking distance for Washington, which really, on paper, this game should never be in striking distance for Washington. They're an okay football team, but they're not great. And the Spirits defense is better. Uh, but again, if the offense really can't expect to win if they lose on third down or establish a run. And because if they do, they're putting all the pressure back on the defense. We're going to be like in the third quarter, like, well, the bears defense is going to need to make a play for them to win the game. And I don't think we want to be in that situation. I don't think we need to be this week. Uh, so for me, those are the two things the bears can't afford to do. Is there anything else on the bears offense that you want to talk about or anything about Washington's defense that we haven't mentioned? No, I mean, we all know that it's going to come down to how Mitch Trubisky plays in this one. That will determine whether or not it is a close game or if the Bears just kind of run away with it. But that's going to be obviously what everyone's paying attention to, another primetime game for Mitch Trubisky. We all know how he hasn't performed very well in primetime games or regular games this season. So it's uh, it's a big it's a big game for Mitch to kind of just, one, make a statement, and it's not going to last long because you have to look to the next week. But this is huge for Mitch Trubisky on Monday night against the Redskins. I mean, we live in the 24, heck, we live in the one-hour news cycle. If he can find a way to shut everybody up, then there should be a calm week. And then if he can do it decently against Oakland, and then we have a bye, we could be looking at a pretty month without much criticism for a good old MT10. Uh, but for me, last things, red zone, third down. Uh, red zone, the Bears were only scoring 50% in the red zone this year, but the bigger problem is actually reaching the red zone. I think we already know that. Uh, don't need to get into it. But if they find their way to the red zone this year, Washington does allow touchdowns on 72% of those trips so far. And then when you're looking at third down, our guest Mitch earlier in the week talked about it and how Washington is not good at getting off the field. And that's been a problem for them for a couple of seasons. They are dead last in the NFL on third down defense. They're allowing 64% of third down conversions. And like I said, the Bears are atrocious, 28th in the NFL. But if they can't find a way to convert on at least 45%, that's going to be the bar I'm going to set for them this week, uh, which is 22% more 
than they currently have, and that's uh, about 20% less than Washington usually gives up. So that's a good middle ground. If they can find a way to get 45% on third down, I'd be content. Obviously, I would like to see more because Philly and the Cowboys were able to just destroy this defense on third down. But again, I'm trying for this offense. My expectations have tapered, and I want them to exceed it, and then I can raise that bar yet again. But Nick, it's time to find out who has the edge. And over to you first, Washington's secondary versus that Bears passing attack. Ooh, um, it all depends on Mitch, but I have to give it to the give it to the Bears passing attack. I think they just have more weapons. Whether or not they'll be used is the question, and that's up to Matt Nagy and Mitch Trubisky. But just looking at who the personnel on both sides for Washington and Chicago, I have to give it to the Bears. The only guy that I'm really, really worried about, and he's he's already struggled this season, is Josh Norman. As long as you can attack the other guys in that secondary, I think the Bears will be all right. So I'm going to have to give it to the Bears. All right. I'm going to go with the Washington run defense versus the Bears rushing attack. For me, Bears on the ground should win this one if they stick to it. Again, Washington's giving up almost 170 yards on the ground per game. That is incredible. If the Bears can't find a way to rush for over 100 in this one, heck, even if David Montgomery can't find a way to rush for 100 in this one, I'd be a little surprised and you know, a little upset. So for me, I'm going to give the Bears the edge here uh, just because of their potential. It's just a matter of them sticking with it, uh, which I believe, again, I think hopefully after this week, we don't have to even talk about that being a thing anymore, but you never know with Matt Nagy. Uh, but that leads, Nick, one last thing for you and I, which is a Washington pass rush versus that Bears offensive line, which both have struggled this year. But you mentioned the Bears didn't give up a sack last week. So which way are you going to go? I, I'm gonna give it to I'm gonna give it to the Bears again. I think, like we said, we've seen some growth from the offensive line. You hope that a guy like Charles Leno and Kyle Long can, you know, play the way that we expect them to play. Because what we've seen so far is not the Charles Leno Jr. of 2018, the guy who earned a contract extension, the Kyle Long that we've all known for years here in Chicago. So, and look, not not to discredit. Washington's defensive line because they do have some capable playmakers for sure but I think when this offensive line for the Bears is playing to their full capabilities they should be able to have their way with you know a majority of these teams in the NFL because they are a good unit they're one that established that chemistry over the years so I'm gonna have to give it to the Bears offensive line not being a homer here but I just think that the Bears you know they have a good group they this again the the week where this offense really comes together I hope so too, and I have the edge going to the Bears as well. It's, I don't know, this may be just because of how poor Washington's been at getting after quarterbacks as much as it is the Bears' offensive line. But when you're looking at like a Sweat and a uh, you know Kerrigan, I mean between a Chubb and a Miller, I mean to me it looks like the Bears should have the advantage here. But there are some matchups that could go the other way, which can definitely swing the momentum of this game. But Nick, it's time to find out who is going to be your X factor on offense. Is it as simple as I think it's going to be? It is definitely, yeah, no, it's it's Mitch Trubisky. Let's be completely honest. Wait. Yep, it's is that even a ten for you guys, or do I have to do it backwards? It's weird. Uh, oh, oh I'm right? trying to look at the stream well, here, but it's a little it. delayed. But so look, I alluded to it earlier. If Mitch Trubisky plays well, this can easily be a blowout easily can be a blowout because Washington's going to have to resort to passing the football in the second half, similar to what has happened in the first two games against the Eagles and Cowboys. But if Mitch plays as poorly 
as he has the past two weeks, then this is going to be one of those grinded out low scoring games where you're hoping the defense can make one more stop and the Bears fans could be relieved and breathe for the first time in maybe like 10 minutes because you have to rely on that defense to make a play. So it's all on Mitch. It's well, so actually, you know, I'll bet it's not all on Mitch. It's all on Matt Nagy as well. So these two need to come together this game because Matt Nagy can put Mitch in situations to where he can make these capable throws where he's seeing the field correctly, where people are running wide open. And Mitch just just needs to fling the football. Like it, it doesn't have to you don't even have to play be a professional quarterback to make this pass. Just get guys open to where it's that easy. So I think it's really it comes as a cohesive unit with those two, but I think it ultimately ends on Trubisky reading the field correctly, making the throw, putting this offense just in positions to score, sustaining drives, giving the defense a break. You do all that. This could be easily be a blowout for the bears. Uh, for me, I'm going back to my two guys I highlighted earlier, Taylor Gabriel, Cordero Patterson, due to the speed. Speed has killed this defense. I don't want to reiterate it too much, but the Bears have not had a deep ball so far this season, and maybe they can find it on Monday night with this mismatch. Nick, I want you to play a game with me real quick. Guess Mitch's passer rating on deep balls from this year. Oh, man. It's probably passer rating like, you got to be like twenties or thirties or something like that. Is it sad that it's lower? No, I. That was my real low bar. Is what? It's like ten. It's like seventeen point two. Oh god, that is awful. Wow. Yeah. So we need to find a way to turn that around. He wasn't bad at it last year in terms of his overall, you know, his passer rating, his uh, completion percentage, and things of that nature. This year just has not clicked, and a lot of variables in play. We've talked about him a lot throughout so far this season. But still, you're going to have Taylor Gabriel, Cordero Patterson, Tariq Cohen. I'll throw him here as well. Any guy in this offense that has speed needs to be deployed and vertically this week. So that's why they're my X factor. And we need to bump up that passer rating because 17.2, which is, I think, second lowest in the NFL right now in deep passes, is uh, sad. Who could be lower? Mike, uh, like. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm putting it on the spot, but man, I'm really thinking about it. What quarterback could be worse at throwing the deep ball at 17.2? I couldn't even name one on the top of my head. Oh, probably whoever's playing for the Dolphins right now. Let's let's be realistic. Probably, probably. probably. I just saw where Mitch was number two. Probably. And I think he has his seventh most deep attempts this year, which is weird to me because it doesn't feel like it. Oh, yeah, it definitely doesn't. I feel like it's been very um, short to maybe even intermediate – uh, routes for Mitch Trubisky, but definitely not seventh most. That's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, surprising. We, need, we, we need to get that going. We, if that doesn't click, this whole offense is just going to be restricted. We need to find ways to, you know, well, I was going to say open it up, but that's as simple as that. Uh, so let's go ahead before our prediction segment, which is coming right around the corner here. Uh, we need to take a, at least a moment to talk about the third phase. Is there anything else on your radar besides Eddie Pinero uh, riding that confidence train? I think that's the big ticket. I mean, O'Donnell's coming off a good game punting, but that's probably more due to the altitude, and he'll come back down to earth. And then you're looking at return games, been non-existent because the Bears haven't been giving up many scores and a lot of touchbacks on kickoffs. And uh, last week we didn't have many, you know, quote, punt returns overall. So, I mean, nothing really on my radar besides Eddie Pinero and his ability to continue hitting these kicks. Yeah, Eddie Money. That's uh, that's a nickname he likes to go by. That's what he said on Waddle and Sylvie a couple days ago. But if anybody, if you haven't seen his, I think it's like six to seven minute interview. I think the Bears posted on their their Twitter page and their website. Just seeing how humble he is. He said that he really wants to. 
Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. He wants to be successful because he wants to give back to his family because they've given him everything so far in his life. Again, it's just a guy that you can you can back up. You want to root for and him seeing him make that 53-yard field goal to win the game, you know, great from Eddie, Eddie Pinheiro and his confidence moving forward and for the Bears because they have a kicker now and it's great to great to finally say that. Absolutely, Nick. All right, let's go ahead and enter the final segment of our show and begin with a bang like we like to do with our bold predictions. And I'll go ahead and begin. Oh, man, Mitch Trubisky breaks out and has a three-touchdown, 300-yard game. That's bold. It's hell of bold. And <laughs> I say that, I'm like, should I even put that on him? And I'm going to have the humility knowing that my podcast means nothing to him. So, yeah, I'm going to say it. Yeah, and it man to other quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes did that in a half, so it's like crazy, <laughs> you know. Switches, it's crazy, but that would that would be great for Mitch Trubisky. I think bold prediction: Haha, Clinton Dix playing his former team. He's what played two former teams in you know three weeks here in the twenty nineteen season. How many times uh, does that happen? Yeah, I don't think it ever does. But Haha, Clinton Dix, a uh, guy that is going to test, you know. Case Keenum in that accuracy by just closing the range. He's going to get two interceptions and force a fumble in this game against the Redskins. I just had an epiphany. We can take this one step further. How many guys played two of their former teams in two out of three weeks that they played on last year? There's probably... Ha-ha, Clinton Dix is the only Probably. guy Probably. That is crazy. I, that is crazy. Uh, I'm not going to give you the homework assignment because you just delegated elsewhere. Yeah. Well, I didn't. I, I just so happened to see that you didn't even that, start. Oh, oh, absolutely not. I'm going to be completely <laughs> honest. I didn't even like. I thought about. It. I was eating dinner that night. Like, oh man, I'm supposed to check out with you know which field goal kicker you know kicked two 50 yard field goals in a game. Then I just forgot about it. And you then remember Zach, who, you remember what it was for our listeners, just because you didn't see the tweet. Uh, the the or who who tweeted it? No, like the actual answer to the question. Oh. I've, I think it was like 2011, Robbie Gold. Yeah. Maybe. Or It's been about that long. Well, the, yeah. Let's, we suck. We suck. We don't even have the <laughs> answer. We can't memorize everything, Nick. But all right, MVB time. I'm going with David Montgomery. I expect him, like I said, I kind of you know alluded to this. Uh, I expect him to have his first 100-yard rushing game and add at least one more touchdown. Bears are going to lean on him. He's going to move the sticks. He's going to turn the clock. And the defense is going to give him the game ball for that reason alone. So for me, David Montgomery is going to be my MVB. And Nick, I know that look, which means you're trying to find the answer for everybody. I am. I, I, it's, I haven't tweeted that much this week because I've been pretty busy. But it's ah, the last time a Bears kicker, thank you, Zach Pearson, uh, hit two field goals of 50-plus yards in a single game was Robbie Gold in 2011. All right, I, I already knew it. We were right. Uh, yeah, yeah, we were right. I just had to confirm it. Uh, MVB? Honestly, I think it's going to be Mitch, and I think it's going to be Trubisky. I think this, like I've been saying this entire podcast, it's all set up for him to have a really good game. And even, you know, I think this is a, it's prime time. 
it's time for Mitch to actually start playing like the quarterback we all envisioned that we know he can be. He hasn't played like that and haven't seen what Matt Nagy and them have been talking about all offseason. It has to come at some point. And I think this is where Matt Nagy has that perfect game plan. Trubisky's able to hit these open receivers. But I think when it all said and done, Mitch Trubisky will be the MVP. Are you going on record and saying that the game plan will be perfect? Not perfect, but it will be close to it to have Mitch, you know, have finally a good game this season. All right. And lastly, game, well, not lastly, the second to lastly game prediction. I have the Bears winning 24 to 13. A little bit more spread out than some of the other games that the Bears have played so far this year. Uh, but I do envision the Bears finding their way into the end zone, kind of breaking the seal a little bit on offense and defense. I mean, we know what they can do. They can hold the best of offenses down to some minimal points. So for me, 13 seems like a reasonable number for Washington. But like I said, on paper, this Bears team is much better than Washington. So for me, hopefully it shows. So I have 24-13 as my final game prediction. How about you, Nick? Yeah, so I think this is a game where we're going to have to see Mitch Trubisky play better because the defense is going to give up a touchdown that we're not maybe expecting. So 23-17 Bears, finally they break, you know, actually get into the 20s. We see some offense, but again, we're going to have to, the, the Bears defense can't play like this the entire season. I don't think they can. They actually probably could. Let's be completely honest. But there's going to be times where the offense is going to have to pick it up and score some points. 23-17 Bears. All right. How confident are you? What's going to be your confidence meter and uh, any final thoughts for the show? Yeah, confidence meter going in. I'll have to give it a eight and a half, nine range. Uh, I know uh, I didn't sound very confident with that answer, but I think the Bears, when I get out of class, I should be able to see that the Bears have won the game. It's I don't remember the last time well I've missed the Bears game, and I can't believe I have to miss one in this season just due to having class on a monday night but eight and a half nine range more so than nine okay i think this is a good point to let everyone know that you won't be on the post game show on monday night because you will be in class but i do have another nick on so it's going to feel right for me i can't mess up the name but we're going to bring <laughs> on for those listening at home uh, nick Austin. he's a really good writer for our website he's actually monday's a real big day for him he's interviewing for a job with espn down in bristol Ooh. And he also he interviewed at Pardon the Interruption over the summer. Uh, so he's a really talented guy. Excited to bring him on. He's real excited to make his podcast debut. Uh, so still will be the Will and Nick show. But Nick, it won't be the same, but it'll kind of be the same. Oh, yeah, I get that. So, uh, yeah, you guys will have a great show. Nick is uh, great. I got to meet up with him at training camp uh, this past summer. So, yeah, it'll be a, it'll be a good time. Uh, so for me, real quick, confidence meter. I put down 8.5, which is why I was chuckling when you said about 8.5. And, and I was like, oh, of course. You just take it right there. But 8.5 is where I'm at. Bears are the better team. Defense should handle their offense. And in theory, the Bears' offense should be able to make headway against Washington's defense. And we said it all show long, but this needs to be the game where Mitch can kind of get back on track, prove he can be the guy to lead this team. He's going up against a defense that should allow him to do just that. Uh, they allow over 8 yards per pass. It's time to sling it. I'm confident we'll get the dub, although I do feel like at the end of the day, knowing the Bears, knowing how every Bears game my entire life has gone, this game's going to be much closer than we would like it when it's all said and done. But I do feel confident that we'll get the W at the end of the day. All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode. I hope that you enjoyed our game preview. Up next, our Will Ingles will share his five matchups to watch on Monday night. And Nick, like I said, you're going to be in class. So you enjoy class Monday. I'll enjoy a Bears game, and I'll enjoy a good 
post-game show, but I'll talk to you on Monday night. Enjoy your weekend and the interim, but until next time, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.